Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Harry's Podcast, where I spend 45 minutes every Thursday morning speaking into a microphone whilst thinking, what the hell am I doing? And you get to hear it the very next day on Friday morning or sometime in the near future. And you think, what the hell is he doing? And it's a very valid question. This was started on a whim, less than a whim, an Instagram poll. And here we are seven weeks later. And now literally tens of people listen to this podcast around the world. I am trying to organise a guest for episode 20, and by that I mean I have done absolutely nothing that would move me in the direction to making that happen. But I have thought about it a lot, and I have also written potential podcast guests in bold and underlined it in the Notes app on my iPhone. Okay, let's get into what everyone pressed play for, an update on Harry's show. Editing is going well on Losing the Plot, the first episode. Editing is a love-hate relationship for me. So many directors love it and it's so obvious how much of an important part of the process it is, arguably the most important part. And sometimes I love editing at 30 seconds at a time, but the experience is often marred by the workflow, the syncing of the sound, the transferring of the files, you know, all that glamorous stuff we looked forward to when we thought of becoming a film director. I'm not a terribly technical person, you can probably guess that by now. And I can see why going into a swanky edit suite in Soho with a Starbucks, other coffee brands are available, and sitting with an experienced editor going through your work on a comfy couch with an air-conditioned room is the highlight for some people. It would be nice, it'd be a nice ego boost. But for me, it's a grind, and I'll be honest, the least pleasurable experience for me in the process. But there's a reason why some of the greatest directors ever started out in editing, and I've got to remember that. And shooting something and then putting it together is directing school in a nutshell. And so going forward, I need to read more books on editing. I read Walter Murch's In the Blink of an Eye years ago at university. And so maybe I need to read that again and to better understand it. And maybe I just need to shut up and edit more. And that way I'll get better and I'll enjoy editing more because I'll be better at it because everybody enjoys things that they're good at. So maybe that's the way forward. So losing the plot is pretty much edited and it's looking good and definitely not the disaster that I thought it was, which is always the way. And I think because I've been doing a lot of voiceover and on these shorts and I've been reacting to sounds that maybe Ryan hasn't even made yet, I can often think, oh, that's that's not going to work or, you know, my acting's crap. And obviously I've got to get those thoughts out of my mind because they're not helpful. And I also think editing is difficult because you've come a long way and you're very close to showing it to people and it's so definite. What you've got is what you've got. That's what you're stuck with. And I've heard a lot of people over the years compare editing to puzzles and maybe that's also why I'm not very good at editing because, you know, for example, my girlfriend, she's become obsessed with jigsaw puzzles during lockdown and I tried to help her one day And I nearly ended up burning the house down. You know, I was getting one piece. It didn't fit. I was getting another piece. It didn't fit. I got another piece. Oh, sod this. You know what I mean? I need more validation than than that. And I need it sooner. So jigsaws aren't pleasurable for me. And editing most of the time isn't pleasurable. So 
It's not you editing process, it's me. But I'll try to be better in the future. On the writing front, I've got another script down this week, which is brilliant because I'm still averaging a few pages that I can shoot every week, except last week, which, you know, we talked about the shoot sort of took over that. But if I can carry that on, that's a really good average. I've just got to be mindful that, you know, the next couple of weeks I'm going to be editing and shooting simultaneously. But these are very short scripts, so maybe that's just a lame excuse. The plan is still to shoot two shorts the week of the 15th, so that plan is still on. We've got those two scripts, they're ready. We're, we're trying to pencil in a day now uh, for next week. And those two scripts, one is called Good Writing Day and the other one's called Bad Dream, which I know sounds A-level film studies, but bear with me, the title might change, or it might not. And you know by now my aesthetic is sort of DIY sellotape together and crap titles. So I'm just, I'm sticking with the brand. These two new shorts are quite different from one another. One of them even has a horror feeling going on, which led me to contact a composer that I've been a fan of for a while, and they've agreed to score the Bad Dream episode. And who knows, maybe more episodes. So that's promising. The show is slowly expanding, and I am keen to bring on more collaborators. The half ideas do keep building and I do feel a week is coming where two to three scripts will get written. I don't want to jinx that, but I think I've got enough documents now with crazy quarter to half ideas written down that a few things are going to come together. I also think coming out of lockdown will hopefully inspire some new ideas because I'll have access to locations as jumping off points that I couldn't really think of in the last 12 weeks. If I've not lost you already, this might be where I lose you, my distribution plan. So at the moment, the plan, and this will probably change like everything, the plan is I want to finish six so I can release them fortnightly and that while I release those fortnightly over three months, I can shoot another six to nine short shorts. So essentially my stepping stones at the moment are get three done in June, which will be hopefully done next week get to six and start releasing and then get to 10 because that was the silly goal that I set and now regret uh, in the first podcast. Then that will be a great point, I think, to look back and analyze what's going right, wrong, and does it need a plot? Does Harry's show need a plot? Because at the moment, I'm not really writing with a plot in mind, but I have thought about doing sort of special longer episodes, maybe 10 to 15 minute short films um, after each block of 10 episodes. That would be pretty cool. But again, I am getting carried away, listeners. I feel like I need to reiterate mainly to myself that this isn't about quantity for quantity's sake. I want to create well-crafted, interesting micro shorts that follow a character and create a world and is experimental. You know, I want them to be experimental. And although this project started from an autobiographical jumping off point, I want these shorts to get a bit weird and even play with genre. So, for example, could I make a two-minute thriller that satirizes millennials? It sounds good. I probably won't do that because it sounds really hard, but those type of ideas, that's what I want to explore. I think it's important to say I don't have deluded goals in thinking Harry's show can become an actual TV show. 
I'm actually pushing this thing away from the industry. The rebellious side of me is actually enjoying that this is inherently anti-industry because that way it'll hopefully be more interesting. And I kind of want to make this just exist on the internet and push it towards the internet as much as possible. A fortnightly series with a podcast is a nice hook. You know, that's already interesting, but I'm trying to think of ways to push that concept further. But as always, I am probably overcooking, overthinking, and the best place to start thinking that is maybe when I've released 10. Get the 10 done, and then maybe start thinking, right, what exciting, interesting things can I do? I think having the block of filming in mind, and then also maybe the special longer episodes, that's good enough for now. And I, I need to just concentrate on the work and not try and build and build and build concept on concept, which is a guilty habit of mine. I've taken part in two webinars in the past few weeks, and I'll admit they've left me mildly depressed about the industry in a way that the traditional route just seems so daft to even attempt, which of course I already knew, but those webinars kind of hit it home further. One of them was with agents in LA and the other one was with uh, the comedy commissioner at Channel 4 and somebody from Baby Cow Productions. And it made me think there's a list of things you can do to improve your chances, considering what they were going off and how they spot talent. One is to perform at Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which I'm not going to do. Stand-up comedy, which I can't do. And be mates with Jack Whitehall. So there are a few things that you can do and writing several scripts, getting an agent, getting a top pro uh, production company on board, and maybe even some talent attached. You know, let's attach Jack Whitehall or Ramesh. And even then, is it a goer? Will that film be shot or will that TV show be shot? It was starting to feel a little bit like lightning in a bottle. And it made me realize that that might not be my path and it might not be your path. I mean, it might be your path and that's okay. But for me, those webinars were kind of, I felt like they were productive. I did get something out of it, even if it was, this isn't your path. And it made me realize when I first wanted to become a filmmaker, who were the people that inspired me? And they were people like Steven Soderbergh or Richard Linklater. And those filmmakers had a unique perspective and they had an entrepreneurial mindset and they made sure that they were going to they were going to keep making work because they were obsessed with the craft and it felt like part of the reason why they were filmmakers was because they wanted to improve it was it was as much about improving and in understanding this craft that they love than it was storytelling now they clearly have a passion for that as well but it was about doing interesting things and almost being this rebel and this renegade and and going against the industry i'm wrapping this up before it gets a bit ranty but i will say the next steps on harry's show is shoot these two new scripts that i'm very happy with and get writing three new ones to shoot in july now three things that have been on my mind this week patience career and how do I gauge success? So first of all, patience. With this project, I've got to be the most patient I've ever been. But how do you improve your own patience? 
honestly, I can't remember a time in my life when I was patient. And that's, that's me being honest. I can't, I don't, I don't really do well with patience, you know, goes back to the jigsaw puzzles and editing. So I'm going to have to do something about this. Oh, I'm going to do some, I'm going to have to do some reading on some Buddhism or some meditation or definitely do some reading on, on patience. Now, my cliched idea was to read some quotes out about patience. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bore you with quotes on patience, but when you get the time, Google some quotes on patience and you'll realize how crucial and how important it is. And so I need to work on that because my patience is probably my greatest flaw. And secondly, career. I've been thinking a lot about the word career and how very often we use language about the film industry or a career in the arts that makes it feel unattainable or like we're outsiders. And I don't like that. I don't like it when people say they're an aspiring writer or an aspiring filmmaker because you're either doing it or you're not. And also phrases like making it or breaking into the industry. It makes you feel subservient to this colossal impenetrable thing. And I think we all have a career and you either make stuff or you don't, or you write or you don't. And it's as simple as that. Yes, you might not feel in the industry, but this in thing is meaningless. I would say, try and not think like that. I know I did. I know I thought like that a lot more four or five years ago. And you're not aspiring. You're a working writer or filmmaker. Lastly, on three things that have been on my mind, how do I gauge success? And how do you gauge success? So specifically, how do I gauge success on this new project? It's the most ambitious thing I've ever done. It's the riskiest because it could fail at any moment and I'm going to try my best that it doesn't. And I want to do 10 of these things because that's the, that's the first strong goal. That's the first strong obstacle. Obviously, there's many obstacles along the way, but I think getting to those 10 will be the success because I don't want to look at social media following and I don't want to look at the views that the videos get because we know that's not how you know, what dictates really good work and even how many listeners this podcast gets. Obviously I want this podcast to get more listeners. That's in a way why I've started the podcast because I want to be more interesting and I want the work to have a different dimension that therefore garners more people take notice of it. But I think they can't be the barometers of success. And I think this project continually exciting me and having the work online and seeing the engagement and seeing what people say about it. That is the, that is how I'm going to gauge the success of this, this project. So maybe have a think about how you gauge your success and how successful you are being with the things that you're working on at the moment. One last thing that I will say to do with social media and followers, because I don't want to come across as some hungry, you know, social media monster. You know, I've got to get more followers. I've got to get more followers because I really don't think like that. What I will say about that is a UK filmmaker, I think I think he's Scottish, I'm not sure, uh, Ben Sharrick, he was one of three UK filmmakers that were accepted 
uh, in the Can official selection uh, the last couple of weeks. And I checked him out. It's his second feature that's been accepted to Can, and he had 377 followers on Twitter. Now, I'm sure he's got a lot more than that now, but that just goes to show it's not about that. It, it's about the work. It's not about the Twitter following and the social media buzz, whatever that is. I mean, it does seem to look now that people will only get involved with you if you do have an audience. But I think that's, I think that's not necessarily the case. So lastly, I want to say a big shout out to the American listeners because the analytics have come through. The marketing team have actually shared some analytics with me. And 25% of listeners of this podcast are from America, which was a nice surprise. What is 25% of six? This podcast, as always, is produced by the first class Premier League, one of a kind sound man, Ryan McMurray at Bracken Audio. And I will see you next week. Music.